Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Beer is about drinkability. Doesn't matter oh, yeah. the style. You guys are like walking beer Wikipedia. That's the first time that you've ever accepted me as a person. Or you have a fermentation in your gut. Yeah. I'm jet propelled at all times. <laughs> How many guys do you think that you have the privilege to slap? Somebody who's never tasted a commercial example, and this is how you know everything about this beer? Please, you don't. I think it's bullshit. (laughs) I think it's bullshit, too. Wow. Are you guys going to arm wrestle? No. No. We're going to teabag fight. You heard of Junkyard Wars? Can I get another high five, Beavis? (laughs) Now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers. Craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with, well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Good to see you here. <laughs> it's the session. Uh, my name is JP, and with me today, talking about craft beer and drinking beers and uh, discussing all things, you know, whatever we want to talk about, is the lovely Kim Shimke. Can you believe I came? Welcome to the show. No, I can't. You've been threatening with me with a bad time for a while now, and you're here. Yeah, I'm finally so now... making good on that promise. <laughs> yeah. It's good to see you, man. You've been uh, vacationing. You've been doing a beer trip. You've been out in various states. Uh, how's all that been going? the Midwest. Yeah. yeah. All places where I'm very happy that I was vaccinated for the most part. <laughs> were you uh, Were you trying to find yourself? Would you, you, you sisters have some pants or something you were trading? Or what is that story? Or a convertible you and your friend were riding in? What's happening? What's wrong with you? Are yeah. you okay? Yeah, finding myself. Yeah. Um, not quite there yet. She's still out there somewhere. Okay. Um, probably in bits and pieces. But sure. yeah, no, I've had a great time. I've seen several states, and I was recently in Kansas City for the first time, which is around where our guest is, even though he's wearing the shirt. But I wasn't allowed to say Kansas City because I didn't want to offend. So yes, uh, exactly. We'll say, we'll say Kansas City adjacent. Okay. But I had a great time there. It's such a fun, such a fun area. Even though I didn't get to Crane. <laughs> I do hear that about Kansas City, uh, that, you know, that that just general area of the Midwest is pretty fun. I've never been able to get out there uh, either, but I'm glad you're able to go and you're able to do it safely because apparently you're you're OK. You're not sick. Uh, yeah, I think I still have like maybe a couple more days before I'm in that window, but I think mm. I'm all right. OK. All right. Well, you know, good job. 
Uh, well, speaking of our guest, uh, welcome Chris from Crane Brewing in Rayton, Missouri. Chris, how's it going? Good. Really good. Thanks for joining um, so us. Glad to be here. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Of course. I appreciate you taking the time. And, uh, you know, you sent us, and I say us, me, um, like, a th- I think it's like a thousand beers. I wasn't, I lost count somewhere. Something like that. I think it was like a thousand different beers. Give you a good mix. Yeah, I just <laughs> happen to have uh, a few. Obviously, we've got some at the brewery, and then I had a few others put aside that always happy to share when we have the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, it was 18 beers. And and the, and I so I opened the box and this was you know like a month ago or whatever which I also appreciate not not only have you guys been on the ball super responsive with communication um, but send beers way in advance and then overdid it with the beers and it's like just perfect I mean the show is already off to a good start last month but I'm looking through the box and I, I open the thing and I go there's okay there's eighteen cans there's eighteen cans of beer this is great wow what a bunch of generous people. And then so I'm I'm pulling them out and I'm noticing that each one is different <laughs> just entirely. You make you make 18. I mean, obviously you make more than this, but you make over 18 or you packaged 18 different kinds of beers, different beer styles. Yeah, we um, what's wrong with you? Busy. I don't know. Yeah, I think we're still a little bit. Um, I don't know. We're, we're not caught up from the last couple of years when we were having to crank out something new every week, you know, to keep people coming to the tap room. OK. We're, we're kind of reshuffling that and getting caught back up into supplying the, you know, the, the usual stuff for distribution. So yeah, I, w- I wouldn't say uh, we're, we're known for farmhouse sales and sours, but uh, we, we like brewing all kinds of stuff. So you're saying that the last few years, it's sort of been this mentality of let's get a new, let's get a new beer out there. We got to do it. And then now with the pandemic, it sort of collapsed um, it, it, yeah, I mean, we're obviously still in a pandemic, but at least in, in our area, things are kind of opening up more. We're, we're filling more kegs. Okay. Um, we got through the pandemic essentially just with local support and folks taking care of us at the tap room and doing that was kind of, you know, creating a lot of new beers, um, for people to get to go, but then also kind of bringing back some favorites that we hadn't done in a while. Right. Um, whole lot of canning a lot of canning yeah well and you know whenever anybody sends this much canned product especially in the variety that you guys have you know i immediately just think of like the the normal stuff like yeast management and you know the 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 cold storage required but also the ttb approval the labels all the i mean the the just the labor represented in having a variety of 18 different beers to choose from is just massive in and of itself. It's, it's a lot of work. Luckily we've got a really good team. You know, we, we've got really good communication and so we're always checking in on each other for who, you know, who uh, you dropped out a little bit there. Yeah. The connection seems to come and go. Mm. Marino. Can you hear me now? I yeah. can hear you now. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Uh, well, it sounds like you guys uh, sort of have a, a very, uh, you know, family oriented sort of way that you, you know, a, a approach your employees a way that you care for one another and be like, Hey, do you need uh, you know, a mental health day or you need a break or do you need, cause you guys, it sounds like you're pushing a lot of product. Did you have to bring people on to do that? Uh, um, no, we've, I mean, we've always had a good group. It okay. was definitely a, a process of just adjusting. It was a lot yeah. of, you know, to do things that we've never done before and, and we're going to figure it out together in week at a time. Yeah. Um, now that the load has really been lightened, uh, probably the greatest thing that happened was a bike trail 
opened up right literally in front of our, our building this past year. Perfect. And we're kind of a destination spot being in Raytown. I mean, we're the give people an idea we're the closest brewery to the stadiums, so uh, Chiefs and Royals, but we're just like a first suburb outside of Kansas City, and we've never had walking traffic or driving traffic, but now we have really good bike traffic. Wow. And that's, I imagine, translating into, into the tap room. Yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. We're getting nice. to see a lot more you know, new faces. We're getting to see a lot more people who aren't even necessarily craft beer folks yet, but we're the only spot there. And so it's nice to get that opportunity to have some, you know, some convert time. You know, I, I love stories like this, man. I really do, because it's, it sort of reminds me that there's so many people out there that still have yet to experience or form an opinion on craft beer. You know, a lot of people go, I, I don't know. I don't even know what this is. What do you mean when you say craft beer? But I think to, I don't want to speak for you, but for me personally, whenever we're talking about craft, it's like, okay, everybody already knows about it. Everybody already has an experience with it. So I just sort of forget about the people who have no idea what anything is. And it sounds like you're getting a lot of these people like, oh, let's, let's check this out. What's this mean? <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I think you just have to remind yourself not to kind of jump over their heads. And for a lot of them, I feel like certainly more people have heard of craft beer, like they know the, the idea, but maybe it's always seemed overwhelming or they've always just stayed with their, you know, tried and true macro beer. Um, so it's just kind of getting to their level and, and finding out what they're really into. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's uh, rewind a little bit because I sort of jumped uh, uh, you know, ahead. But how did you get involved with, with Crane Brewing? Were you home brewing um, you know, in, in college or even before? You know? Yeah, um, probably just outside of college, started home brewing. Um, was into craft beer before that and was trying everything I could. Uh, biggest thing we had in KC at the time was Boulevard. You know, being in the Midwest, we've always had really good distribution, so we could get beers from wherever. But as far as local goes, and so every release that came out, I wanted to try and, and, and learn, um, mm. getting into the industry though. So I came from veterinary medicine before, before this. Oh. And that's something I fell in love with pretty quickly. Almost any other business you, you talk to people and you meet people and you say, Hey, I want to, I like what you're doing. I want to do it too. Yeah. And brewing every brewer, brewery owner was come down, let's have a beer. Let's see what we can do to help you out. And so that's how we got started. And we try and be the same way with other new breweries. And, I would say we were kind of the second wave of, of new breweries in Kansas City. Now we've got like 50 in the metro, and so there's there's a lot more opportunity. Um, I tell people, you know, it's not just your neighborhood bar. It's your neighborhood brewery. You're seeing a lot more suburban breweries, and so anyone's got a pretty good option to find local fresh beer right around the corner from the, where they live. Wow, 50 in the metro area? Yeah. Wow, that's I mean, incredible. Uh, yeah, last six, seven, eight years. It's, it's, we've seen a lot of growth here. When did you guys open? Uh, 2015, we brewed our first beer. Okay, then not too long ago. What was that, six years, seven, six, six years? Something like that? To celebrate our six-year anniversary, yeah. Wow, amazing. Congrats, man. And how have you seen that, that craft landscape change out where, where you are? I mean, besides the, the, the you know, more breweries opening, but uh, you know, how, how is it? competing in that space and and how has that craft beer space sort of changed to to accept you um i think it's it's been a lot of fun it's nice seeing like you say you don't seeing people that aren't your typical craft beer drinker who are just out enjoying the space um i would say like distribution you know your average restaurant that carries craft beer i wouldn't say local support has totally caught up there um Just because just you're going to see a lot, we're still seeing a lot more than average handles from outside breweries than, than what's in town. 
Um, and it's, and it's also hard to kind of judge where people are in their, their craft beer, you know, um, understanding you, I feel like there's some people kind of jumping the shark on stuff who are entering into it with, with pastry stouts and never got to have a lot of the, you know, the early cleaner, more approachable styles. Yeah, for sure. You you can't, uh, you know, I feel like you need to build a base because I think that the people who like the pastry stouts and the gimmick beers, I think they're just a, a, a vocal minority within the craft beer drinking public. So how and, long are you going to support those, you know, those people at 11% <laughs> pastry stouts that are expensive as hell to make? We don't make them very often, but I think yeah. styles like that we have to keep in mind. You know, we brewed our first Keller beer this year, and it had great reviews, and we really loved it. Um, but it didn't move as fast as, and you know, at the same time, we brewed a blueberry donut stout. And kind of relating with the brewers, it's like for every Keller beer we want to make, it seems like right now we also have to make a blueberry donut stout. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess that that pays for the grain bill for the for the for the stout. And I was mainly talking more about, like, like you said, the people who don't put in the work to make a pale ale even. It's just like, yeah. here's a pastry stout where that's our first beer ever. And this is we've never made anything. But I, I we, feel like you do sort of have to pay your dues a little bit. We see it more with um, the fruiting. Um, we do okay. a lot of fruited sours yep. and, you know, we'll, we'll give tours and people are like, why isn't your fruited beer like this other fruited beer? And it's like, well, because we have to let it ferment out so we can package it and put it on the shelf. And so I feel like that's kind of a disconnect. And, and it's hard to explain that to consumers without sounding like you're, you know, you're saying anything bad about another brewery. Yeah, right. Because in, in sort of, you, it's like, how much of the process do you have to explain mm-hmm. at the same time? I feel like that would be a tough the tough part as well. It's like, well, fermentation is this and you don't want to bore them to tears. Uh, but that is a weird question. Why isn't your, why isn't your beer like the other brewery that I know? I, we can just say, we, we, you know, we can just tell you how we do it and why we do it our way. That's tough, man. Talk about being in a weird customer service position. <laughs> why doesn't your car look like this other car? I don't know. <laughs> Cause it's not, it's not that. I mean, what are you talking about? <laughs> when I was out there, I went to a few and like all the breweries were packed, which is cool to see. And I went from one place that had like a really nice Saison um, and a really good lager. And then the very next place I was asking the bar, um, the beer tenders, I was like, you know, what are you known for? And this place had like a Fruity Pebbles beer and some other stuff. And they're like, this is what, this is what sells the best. And we have a lemonade beer, like a raspberry lemonade beer. And I, I sampled that and it wasn't my speed, you know, not my thing. But it was just funny that, uh, you know, it seems to be the contrast where, you know, you kind of do have to have everything now, I feel. Um, and then also I've noticed that cereal milk seems to be popular. Like cereal and cereal milk items in the Midwest. Is this a thing? It's a thing? I love it. It's a thing. Yeah. So there's like cereal milk coffee like everywhere, like cereal milk lattes. And then uh, cereal type Pop-Tarts and then beers that have a lot of cereal uh, kind of things to them. Like what is this with cereal in the Midwest? Um. There is something about cereal and beers. I don't know. I can, we've never made one, um, but it, it is definitely popular. I can say we we have kind of a, I don't know, a, a, a soft spot for them, especially because we, we unfortunately, we lost a, a brewer um, in the last year that um, that that was his, his thing. So it's, it's, it's something that, you know, when, when that one pops up, it, it kind of brings it to uh, someone we love, but... I don't, I don't know. I don't know what else is with the cereal milk and, and yeah, and cafes and coffee shops and, and stuff like that. 
I'm sorry to hear about your uh, your loss. That's uh, that's tough, man. Especially if you're sort of like reminded about it all the time. But it's it's you know, you know it's again it's the industry and it's family and it, it was um, still wild to think about because he was a young guy. Um, but it was uh, I don't know an- another chance for everyone to realize how much we appreciate each other and and you know tell tell your folks that whenever you can. Yeah, I want to ask about it, but I don't also at the same time want to respect everyone's privacy. So uh, uh, we'll just leave it at you know I, I'm I'm sorry about that. That's uh, that's no that's no good, man. But you have yet to make a cereal milk beer. We have not, and I don't see that one specifically on the horizon. But <laughs> you never you never know. Well, I don't know. I feel like you have to. <laughs> I, I mean, you made a blue donut beer for God's sakes. You can make a cereal milk beer. Yeah, we did. Um, I'm trying to think of some fun. We've we've messed around a little bit. Every Halloween, we do a collab with a local theater company, so mm-hmm. movie theaters. Mm-hmm. And so the first year, we did the, the same beer with them. They wanted a um, beer for their um, Halloween month movie series that was also kind of movie concession-y, candy-ish. And so we do a beer called Shock that's um, a sour ale blued with uh, – they wanted to do it with uh, blue raspberry candy, but blue raspberries don't actually exist – and so we did um, blueberries, lemon, and and then some of that sour candy in it. And it's it's a favorite. So we've got it on now before Halloween at the tap room. That sounds like a wild beer. How did that go over? How did how do things like that exist over there? Because over here, I, you know, I actually don't really know because I don't pay attention. But in the Midwest, Kansas City area, how does that how does that work? It's 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 popular for what it is. You know, it's okay. a, it's a candy beer. Yeah. So yeah, the people who are all about that love it. Um, what is your um, what is your your system size? How what size batch did you make of this candy beer? So that was a thirty barrel batch we did this year. We've got batch. a system. Oh yeah. And how long did it take to get rid of that? I mean, sell it. Um, I think we're down. I mean, it's not even Halloween yet. And I think we're down to like thirty cases. So it goes it goes wow. pretty quick. Okay. So um, when you say people kind of like it, it's people yeah. love it. It sounds like. We, um, it, it's kind of interesting being like a, a tap room side of things versus distribution and in distribution, they want anything related to a season. You know, they want it a month, two months, three months early. Okay. So that beer, we, we were able to get out into the market last month and, and stuff. Um, and so it's kind of fun when, you know, when we will have our, our Christmas beer out pretty soon and that makes sense for distribution, but it's a little bit weird to release a Christmas beer in the tap room this much before christmas yeah i mean i i i love christmas but uh and i love a christmas beer and i love all that but you definitely i mean november 1st you're set you're ready to go and it's why you see pumpkin beers in like what like april now like when they start hitting the shelves (laughs) it feels like it man it definitely which i love a pumpkin beer too i'm i'm the i'm one of those people it has to be done well but you know, it's like anything, right? It's like any 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 spiced beer, any fruited beer. It just has to be done well, and you can be okay with it. We've got a a fun one, and so we we have a a pumpkin uh, beer that our pilot brewer does every year on you know a really small batch. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead of pumpkin, we do an apple spice, um, another another sour. Okay. Um, but we get uh, apples from Weston Orchard, which is a few miles north of us. And have them pressed. This year we had them pressed by a local wine company mm-hmm. and sent down to us. So getting to work, work with uh, fresh cider and a variety of apples. And then we hit it with cinnamon. And that's a lot of fun. Tastes like apple pie. That sounds good. Gets to finish dry. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the key with something like that. That sounds delicious. 
You guys do. You guys have a lot of fun. How come? This is a question that I don't really know how to phrase. But why do you have so much fun? <laughs> Which is the general question. But like more specifically, you know, I, I feel like making thirty barrels, especially of a beer like this. And I used to have a pilot system, so maybe some of these batches go on there, and you sort of like mix and match. But you're pushing a lot of styles, and it sounds like you're making uh, sour beer, and then you're doing different additions and really being creative and sort of just having a good time. How come you haven't really sort of said these are our, you know, eight beers we're going to brew and then maybe we'll bring something in. Uh, you know, I, I know you, you, you mentioned that you have to bring people into the tap room and kind of get things going that way early on, but uh, it feels like that's just, that's a lot. Like you opened the choke on the shotgun and just went, we're doing it. And it sounds like you're doing it pretty well because you're, you know, <laughs> you guys are, you guys are just hit your sixth anniversary. Yeah. Um, I mean, we do, we have four core beers. So we have four beers we make year round. Okay. Um, tea Vice is another one of our sours that we get from our tea from Hugo Tea Company in Kansas City. And it's nice. It's um, hibiscus, lemongrass, um, uh, black currants, and then a rooibos tea. And so it's fruity, but it's not a fruit beer. I have that beer in my cooler to drink. It's it's our number one beer. And is so it? It's, it? Yeah, it's. I think I should get it. I think I should get it. I do want to say uh, that I I, <laughs> I appreciate you letting me just kind of comb through the the beers that you sent and like go yeah just pick whatever because most people are like wow I really want to talk about my hazy IPA and I really want to talk about uh, this and you know whatever but uh, I now get to play beer guy on the show which I never get to do I never get to design my own fun Kim and today I'm going to do that it's like and Chris, apologies about- that I'm not drinking your beer because that would have required me going like really far out to JP and that wasn't going to be a thing. I should have shipped you some to your, just to you. No, Kim does not deserve beer. <laughs> JP always bogarts all the beer. Yeah. And I then do. he's like, well, if you want some, I have it. And that means I'm going like 50 miles out of my way to go visit him. That's true. And I'm okay with that. And we all know that's not happening, which is why you put the offer out there. Let's be honest. No, not at all. Not at all. Well, you know what, Chris? I started with the odd bird, and I know that we were talking about weird beers, but this is uh, a corn lager at 4.7%, uh, you know, which I'm sort of getting, I'm not getting into. I'm sort of really appreciating these a lot more. Uh, I've had a few on a couple uh, shows previously, and uh, I think they're great. I think more people need to really be going corn lager. But tell me a little bit about odd bird, if you would, please. Yeah, so Oddbird is the name of the farm that all of our spent grain goes to. Um, they, uh, they've got some heritage hogs. They've got really interesting pigs there. They look like almost more like hippos than pigs, They're like <laughs> a really Asian breed of pigs. Same. Um, but uh, And then the next batch we do of Oddbird's Fun is actually they grow um, heritage corn there. We're going to get a brew the beer from the corn from the farm that it's named after, which is, is really cool. Oh, nice. Uh, That's cool, man. But, uh, this beer was actually the first batch we did of it was actually our first lager that we did towards the beginning of the, the pandemic, just because we had, you know, we, we had time to put a beer in a tank and really let it condition. Let me tell you, man, I, um, when you sent these beers, I had you know, obviously the, <laughs> the 18 rack that you oh. sent. And then I had like two big boxes of homebrews for, for Dr. Homebrew for the other shows that we do. And I couldn't fit them all in my fridge. So like all the homebrew had to sit out and your beer had to sit out as well because, you know, I have food in my fridge. I need it, you know, whatever we don't have. And I didn't have enough space. 
And so this has probably been at room temp, which in my house is like, you know, 75, right? Since, since it was delivered holds up. Awesome. I was, I was, and I, I, I wanted to drink this number one. Cause I, I like a good, you know, sort of standard American lager like this, but I also wanted to taste how, how it, how it did, how it persevered, how it existed at, at room temp for like a month, month and a half. And I think it tastes great. It's a very, yeah. it's, it has like a sweet, the sweet corn is coming through. It's not super, super dry. It's not overly sweet. It's very refreshing. And there's a uh, sort of like a biscuity. I would, I mean, almost like a victory biscuity malt kind of thing going on. Um, can you tell me about the the recipe at all? Yeah, it's pretty simple. Um, it's just uh, pills, pretty much all Pilsner and then some corn. Um, and just wanted something, you know, to, to keep it dry and light. It's been probably a super popular beer with a lot of the bike riders that we've had at the tap room. Just because that's probably the easiest gateway beer, you know, to get get them in. Yeah. They may not, they may not, they all probably drink a ton of corn lager and don't even realize it, you know. And so it's, it's nice to have that, that lighter option. Um for us, it's a beer we drink all the time that, I don't know, I tell people there's a time and a place for every beer. Sometimes the beer is the occasion, and sometimes, you know, you want to have a few beers, and you, you want it to be um, well-made and not distracting in that way. And yeah. so you want a beer that you can drink, and it's not getting in the way of the rest of your experience. And so I think it's it's great to me that lagers are, are coming back. Yeah, man, me too. <clears throat> and especially when they're as well made as this, you know, I, I, I really like this beer. This is very, very good. Appreciate Odd it. Odd bird. I love it. Yeah. Good stuff. Kim. Sorry, but I'm also, you know, not really that sorry. Not so much. Yeah. Uh, not really. Not so much, man. Not so much. Yeah. Uh, Chris, while I find another beer, tell me how you, how you met your business partner and how you actually opened Crane Brewing. Why, why the name? Let's start with that. Yeah, so it's it's named after my partner Michael Crane. Oh, that makes um, sense. Yeah, we joke we joke that it sounded better than Myers Brewing Company, but <laughs> really we uh, we first started working with our our first graphics people when we were kind of figuring our identity out. We sent them a lot of names, and um, it came back with the, our origami logo, and that pretty much sealed it. We liked that a lot. Um, we liked the idea of a lot of our early labels are all folded origami looking images. Um, Gives us a lot of flexibility and freedom there. And origami is a very old traditional art form, you know, handwork, hand detailed. Uh, people would sit down and teach each other different ways of folding origami. Um, beer is obviously a, a huge icebreaker in that sense. And so we, we really glommed on to that. Um, we started as home brewers, uh, you know, brewing almost daily, giving away gallons and gallons of beer at charity events. And we did a lot of beer festivals just because there weren't as many breweries locally at that time. And so we were able to get into a lot of breweries as a brewery planning, pouring with, with opened breweries. And that really got our name out pretty quick. Um, we signed with our first distributor before we even opened. And that kind of finalized, um, legitimized our business plan to raise the last bit of capital we needed. So that was through uh, 2013, 2014. We took over the building 2014, started working on the equipment and licensing and all that. And yeah, brewed our first batch September, 2015. And we've just been going ever since we, um, that's wild. Started kind of backwards. We, we started in distribution and then opened our tap room a year later. So, you know, it was, it was, let's find a building that's big enough to let us do what we want. And then it was, you know, okay, how do we make this a spot where, you know, where customers actually want to come hang out? Yeah, that is a little backwards. How come? Just because that, that's what felt right at the time? 
Yeah, I think I think when we were looking at our budget and how we were going to get started, we knew distro was where we wanted to be ultimately. And yeah. so the the money we set aside for the tap room had to we had to recoup that. Okay. Um, but it was it was interesting at first because we'd get phone calls all the time. People like, okay, we want to come down and drink. Oh well, we don't have a tap room. Oh well, you do tours, you know. Um, yeah, we can do that. But um, and we did bottles to go, and then um, finally opened Black Friday. 2016 for our tap room. Wow. And how was that? Uh, how was that experience? Do you think that that was the way to go for you guys at the time? I think so. You know, I've, I've yeah. gone back and forth. What made the difference? I think getting in distro first, Roy did kind of get our name out. We were able to do some collabs early on. So that helped. Um, so by the time we opened the tap room, you know, folks were ready to come down and, and kind of add on to that yeah. part of who we are experience yeah, especially if they're asking i mean and i wonder if it's also because like you said in the beginning you sort of had a lack of foot traffic anyways mm-hmm. so why not yeah. do it yeah that's cool that makes sense were you who was your first brewer were i mean because you you know you were a home brewer uh i said i saw in the notes uh mike was a home brewer as well were you guys the first brewers or did you go in going i i want to find somebody smarter than me to do this that okay um, <laughs> I've always been a part of production, but we hired our first brewer um, from Boulevard. His name was Stephen Hood. Um, he's now at uh, Ghost Town Brewing. Okay, yeah. And, um, under him was Randy Strange, who uh, also worked at Boulevard, but in the packaging side of things. Um, under them, we had a, another brewer named Eric Pegler, who's now at Ecliptic Brewing. Um, and Eric has been our last brewer for the last several years. Um, Steve, Steve moved to uh, California because his wife's an attorney and took a position out there. Um, Eric, our, our most recent head brewer, um, wife is an attorney and took him out to the East or the West coast as well. Wow. And, um, Brian, uh, Stewart is our current head brewer. He was another head brewer at another brewery in town. And so luckily again, I mean, brewing scene is tight. Kansas city. I think it's the, even that much, much more, you know, close knit connected. Um, and then with Brian being our head brewer, we recently hired another brewer, um, Jenna Munoz, who has spent time at Casey Beer Co. that we were talking about earlier, and uh, Fields and Ivy. And so we've, yeah, we've always definitely appreciated um, brewers who have, you know, had that experience and worked on the scale or finding the right people to kind of move up through, through our ranks. Yeah, I feel like that's the way to go, man. I feel like that's the way to go. Uh, okay, speaking of the way to go, I think I'm going to open the uh, Dry Hopped Farmhouse Ale. I don't know why. I feel like all your styles sort of, they're so varied. I feel like there's really no tasting, you know, where normally you go like lager and then, you know, a blonde ale. And then you're pale, you know, move that way laterally through the thing. But I'm sort of just going to jump. You're good. You're good. It's tough. People ask, like, what's your lightest beer? And it's like a lot of times, well, our lightest beers are our sours, but that's not really a light flavor profile all the time. <laughs> So yeah, I, I totally hear you. So how many farmhouse sales do you do? Just um, as- yeah, that that one is is our year round. So that's probably our number two beer that we we brew. Um, it's a to me a, a gorgeous style because it's a you know dry hopped uh, Belgian farmhouse saison, and then we dry hop it more like an IPA. So you're getting a lot more more of the hoppiness, but very low bitterness, and so it's a another good kind of entry point for folks. Yeah. I, I think Saison's really do lend themselves well to being dry hopped. And I, I you know, but they're very uh, hop dependent, you know, you can't just throw anything in there. <laughs> I think they're even more finicky than like an IPA or something like that mm-hmm. because of those, those phenols from the yeast and everything like that. But yeah, I don't know if um, you, did you get any bottles? 
No, no bottles. Oh, um, next time, next time, yeah. I'm drinking called a small ball saison. That is a similar base to farmhouse, lower ABV, more sessionable, and then we bottle condition it with Brett. So oh, that's that just that is that my might, entire world in a bottle right there. That sounds great. It really does. I love the aroma on this beer, man. It's very um, lime zest is what I'm getting. Just right off the rip, dude. Like a lime zest in candy. I don't know where can't the candy comes from, but it's a nice one. It's one. It's a great example of sometimes marketing gets involved because it's obviously not an IPA. But when you know you've got a beer that's in distribution and and folks are wanting to know how to describe it, until so more folks really learned what a saison was, you know, Farmhouse IPA did the trick. <laughs> yeah. Farmhouse IPA. Yeah, I mean that's that's you know unfortunate, man. I like telling the story of uh, our our friend Dave, uh, who formerly of um, Flat Tail, but he had a dry hop saison. It was a sessionable um, that he called Little Green, and like it, you know, it, it, I thought it was a fantastic beer, and it it didn't sell like super well. Uh, and then one of his distributors changed, or one of his, uh, I think it was someone at the like a liquor store or some shit. I forget the exact what happened, but they changed it from a dry hop saison to a session IPA like 20% increase immediately. We we should have learned our lesson from Boulevard because um, we have another beer called Trailsmith that's a Saison that was just called Saison originally. And similar deal with, with Boulevard, they had Saison and then they, they created... Uh, dropped out again, right? Right in the middle of the good story. We'll wait till it comes back. There we go. So, uh, yeah, anyway, you uh, you were saying you, you learned your lesson? I think I think we, uh, you know, we should we should have realized it before that, but it, it all makes sense now. <laughs> yeah, it really does. I mean, those three letters can sort of like make or break a new beer or a new brewery. I guess I don't know. I mean, I I feel like I don't know. I wonder if that's regional, right? Where like you know maybe on the I don't know. Kim, do you think out here in the East Bay? Do you think if you open a brewery without an IPA, you're 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 still going to make it? You're going to struggle, but you're still going to make it. Oh God, um, it's the bread and butter of so many places, and I feel like you're gonna, yeah. you would just get no one, nothing but like complaints all the time or people asking about it. So I almost feel like just to avoid that, it's worth having one. So you don't get bullied. <laughs> I wonder how many places have ever gotten bullied. Bullied, just <laughs> bullied into making an IPA or like a hazy. Chris, you guys do hazy beers. We do. We've got a few hazy. Um, How's the we haze were, craze out there? We were reluctant to call them hazies. You know, if, if, if New England style IPA, but now they're they're hazies. They're, they're hazies, they man. Yeah. Um, but I do. You know, I didn't. I wasn't as old school hate about them i do appreciate them for what they are um being able to create such a soft beer that's again very hoppy but not bitter um and and it's nice to find we're finding more folks that that say they hate ipas but we can usually get them in with those even my wife um would say she hates ipas but just the aroma alone on a lot of these hazy styles she could smell you know from across the couch yeah and that that got her in so yeah i'm i very much agree i don't like ipa i'm not an ipa guy let's put it that way but the hazies i i, I get it because they're almost like they're almost not ipas it was just sort it's, of it's just that much more learning anything yeah. anything i can still do to to learn and all the data and information that has come out of understanding hops and biotransformation and the reaction between yeast and hops through these styles is is always good you know good stuff yeah, I feel like the science is sort of uh, sort of um, you know advanced, 
you know, twofold or whatever because of the haze craze, um, just with how hops work. But and like you said, the biotransformation and all the kind of enzymes that that are sort of needed there. But you know, I don't know. It, it it's almost like oh, I love IPAs, I love hazy IPAs. But to me, there's a more just like hazy pale ales because you get so much aroma and so much flavor, but it, the the bitterness needs to be low on them. But uh, I agree with your wife. I could sit there and smell them all day. I just don't want to. The, the 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 softness is just it's weird to me it's like eating butter and you know i don't do that anymore <laughs> <laughs> i don't know um i like this farmhouse ipa man there's there's a, you know there's a firm enough bitterness um but it's not clashing at all with the with the uh the yeast profile in there um the malt profile is very subdued but it still carries uh you know a little bit of weight there i like it that's a very that's a very well-made beer man appreciate it how do they say songs go over in your neck of the woods? Because, you, you know, you mentioned you still have people coming in, kind of figuring out what's going on. Um, Farmhouse IPA, I feel like it's pretty advanced. For some reason, and maybe it's being in the Midwest, um, you know, we've got some great Saison breweries. Um, we've got Side Project that's across the state from us. Um, we've got a newer brewery called Pathlight that's doing really nice Saisons. Um, we try and put out a different one every once in a while. We just did one recently called Windfalls with uh, rye and local honey. That's oh. kind of fun. Um, but if you call it a farmhouse ale, I, again, I don't know if it's being in the Midwest, it seems like folks are all about that. Even if they don't know what that is, they're like, that's something That's something for me. Farm, farm Farmhouse, yeah. It's like down homey sort of <laughs> like the heartbeat of America kind of thing. You got it. Okay. <laughs> that's so wild, man. I love uh, regional beer marketing. I'm not saying that like that's the, specifically what you're you're trying to do, but just even like the subconscious level, like what you're talking about about oh the farmhouse that speaks to me somehow. I I love how it changes from region to region. And I, and I that's think, very nice. You know, in the back of our mind, I don't know, just so much of like parts of Belgium and Germany and stuff like that just translates so well to kind of the Midwest too. Like that's what farmers would have been doing, making their beers in this area. You know, a couple hundred years ago. Yeah, sort of connect with like a. A thing that's been happening forever. And then you get on your, your fixed gear bike and right away. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense to me. I love it. Uh, I'll tell you what, Chris, let's take a real quick break and we're going to come back and uh, try some more beers and talk a little more beer. Deal. Cool. All right. Hang on, everybody. It's the session. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's time to talk beer and chew bubble gum. And we're all out of gum. The session. All right, thanks for sticking around, everybody. We're here with Chris from Crane Brewing in Raytown, Missouri. And uh, I'm about to jump into the old pineapple bag here and grab a couple more beers to try. Um, Chris, do you think it's too early in the tasting to try the uh, the tea vice? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it'll work, right? Because you do have a lot of like cool flavors, and I just I don't want them to clash. But at the same time, you know I'm a professional, so I got 
and <laughs> figure it out. Uh, tell me a little bit about T Weiss. I know you covered it uh, briefly, but uh, maybe you can tell me a little bit more about it. I love the can art, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. so it's a uh, Berliner Weiss. It's one of our first beers. I mean, that's one we were doing as homebrewers. Uh, a friend of mine owns Hugo Tea in Kansas City, uh, Tyler, and he gave us a bunch of teas to play with and we were doing a, a, a cupping and, and tasting those and as soon as I tasted this blend and he's kind of updated it for us for our beer but I was like that needs to go into a Berliner Weiss like that's that's perfect that bad um, or that uh, that that soon right that sudden hit you right there yeah. and so we've been we've been making it ever since and you talked about like all the beers we make this is one that definitely the customers decided was going to be one of our core beers uh, <laughs> that's good and, man that's just kind of, I think, the way it works for a lot of breweries. It was, it was just one that we've never been able to stop making. It's, it's going, you know, nonstop at our brewery. Um, I can tell why. That is, um, I'm, I'm sort of short circuiting right now. What, what kind of tea? Let's start with the tea. While I digest the flavors, because it is very Kim. If you, if you, if you ever try this, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, what are the flavors that I'm getting from the tea? Is it a fruited tea or is it like what kind of yeah, tea is a, it? It's a fruited tea. So it's rooibos. So it's kind of similar to like honeybush. So it's not even like black tea. It's um, I think they call it tisane, but you're not, you won't get, you can't make it too strong. Like you're not going to get a lot of tannins or anything from it, even if you did it on the hot side. Um, and then the lemongrass that's in there and um, uh, black currants are kind of that fruit note you're getting. And then hibiscus gives you a little bit more of that fruity kind of floral character and, and some color too. Rooibos. R O O I B O S, I think. Yeah. I've never heard of that. So it's not, it's, is it caffeinated? No, I don't think it's ca- got caffeine at all. This is but, wild. Uh, this is absolutely wild to me uh, because it tastes like, it tastes like, um, like a really perfect, like Kim, if you can imagine the most perfectly ripe peach you've ever had in your entire life, like the sort of darker fruit flavors, not really too much green peach, but just sort of like really mature and with a, a skin that's not too thick, but still has some tannin to it. And that sort of like essence, that's like 80% with the things that I'm getting. And then you top it off with a really well-made sour. It's pretty strong on the sour side. It's not It's not just like, uh, maybe it's a kettle sour or something. I don't really know, but we wave the sour stick over it. It has some punch to it. Can you hold the, um, the glass up to the camera for the color? It's a little bit darker than that, but my makeup tutorial light sort of shines very brightly. Mm, your ring light. <laughs> you are getting thirsty. Uh, yeah, this is... Um, so where do you add the tea? So on the cold side, cold side so we'll let it we'll let it steep, um, and it's it's so w- with our sours. One of the things that kind of makes them stand out is we do all of our souring in the tank as well, um, so we don't ever boil or pasteurize. We let them get as sour as they want. So it, it does kind of you know create a little bit difference from batch to batch, and depending on the fruit we're adding, you know how much more sugar it gives the lacto to kind of drop. Um, so our pH can be kind of all over the place, but. We, we think it we think that it helps with shelf stability quite a bit to leave that lacto alive so okay so this can this can range in in pH from batch to batch yeah do people notice that is that a, a, a complaint about it maybe I, I mean once you get to a certain point I don't know if you're able to tell a huge difference because I mean okay. the pH drops pretty low yeah but uh, I think 
it you you know especially if it's one of the first ones they've had of ours i think they generally notice that it's not a yeah it's not a, a mild sour They're, they can be pretty tart <laughs> yeah this is i mean this is a, a fairly tart one but the 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 fruit flavor and and you know what so you have you have the tea you said you have the lemongrass anything else the hibiscus the hibiscus and then uh, the black currants kind of give it that that fruity flavor too yeah, I think the hibiscus and that and that tea work really well together. That's mostly, I think, what I'm getting. Yeah, that's that's an interesting mix of flavors, man. Yeah, I can see why this is. Um, and it's, it's a year round beer. It, it's fun too because again, the tea company's local, and so it's not like produce. We know when we're sor- sourcing different fruits and stuff. We know it's something we can get year round as well. So we can, you know, make that in summer, make it in the winter. It's not an issue. Yeah. Yeah, that's oh, that's really good, man. How long is your souring program? How long do you how long do you let that sit? I know you said until it's done, but what is that on average? For those like I mean, because it's just lactobacillus, so you're just going. We're just going to you know clean lactic lemony tartness. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, those beers are are still in the quick quicker turnover, like any of a, you know even compared to a clean beer. Uh, it's really the the fruiting just make kind of makes a difference when we decide when it's fully done fermenting. But okay. still, two to four weeks, six weeks tops. Man. I would love to be able to kick a beer out that fast. It tasted this well-rounded because it does work really, really well together. It does. It does sort of play off each other very nicely. Yeah, it's great. And you were, you guys are making this as home brewers. Yep. I love to see it, man. Were you entering competitions as a home brewer? Um, I did not. My partner, Michael did a lot. Okay. Um, that was something that he's kind of known because, um, he won a ton of medals. Like I think within a couple of years of homebrewing, he brought in like 80 medals. And so he was sending his beer all over the country in different categories. Um, but he didn't drink a lot of beer. He uh, oh, had, you know, he got into the homebrew club and had a lot of people he could kind of get feedback off of. And um, so that's kind of where, where he got his start. So when I was looking at starting a brewery, that's kind of how we got connected was through the homebrew channels. And a lot of beers that he liked brewing happened to be Saison's and, and Sour's. That's interesting for a, I mean, he was a beer drinker, but I guess not, not a whole lot. Huh? I feel with that. I mean, sometimes it's, it's the, it's the, uh, the journey, not the destination, Chris, right? Yep. Let's just dip into the pineapple vice. Awesome. And I love so this, that's, uh, this label. Dude, look at that. It looks like Kim on a good day. <laughs> that um, is our first batch we've done. Um, we work with, there's a local children's hospital that unfortunately my kids have spent some time in. Um, my partner, Michael, his, his son has spent quite a bit of time there. And so they're kind of special to us. So proceeds from this beer went back to that hospital. Um, and the artwork was done by their former resident artist. So if you come to Kansas city, you'll see this kind of artwork, um, all over, all over KC on buildings, all over the hospital network. Um, so anyone who sees that can in Kansas city knows exactly who did that art, which is kind of fun. That's cool. Children's mercy. Um, his name is a uh, scribe, Donald yep. Ross scribe, Donald Ross scribe, but uh, children's mercy hospital. Yep. Yep. Got a little label there. That's cool, man. That's great. Yeah. And that's mainly why I picked this beer. I mean, number one, the artwork is <laughs> pretty rad. Um, but yeah, I was hoping there was some sort of like, there, there seemed like there was some sort of collaboration or, 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 you know, fundraising or whatever. Uh, and so, you know, I think that's, that's really great, man. I love hearing stories about, uh, brews really being involved in their, community and giving back in, in, in any way they can. And that's obviously a great, uh, you know, place close to your guys' heart, but also just, you know, you gotta, you gotta protect the children. 
Yeah, yeah. We, um, I think, especially the last couple of years, we realized, you know, as a small business, much less a brewery, we could be closed for any, you know, any reason. Um, so yeah. the the more we can do to work with local organizations, you know, the better in the end. So tell me about the pineapple vice. So it's another similar base for Linder Vice is T Vice, um, but then we hit it with God, like eighty pounds of. Um, Oh, sorry, 800 pounds of pineapples. <laughs> <laughs> like what are you leaving a there. zero off for, man? Come on. Yeah. And this was this was a fun challenge um, because we wanted to keep it clean, keep it light. We didn't want to add lactose to it. That's And just ex- through experience, you know, pineapple can be one of those fruits that's really hard to, to get to come through. You know, once yeah. all the sugar's fermented out, it's a lot of times that flavor's gone. And so we learned the trick is just keep hitting it with more pineapple. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> that's the trick is when it's not working, just keep doing it. Yeah. So yeah. We're, we're really happy with the way this turned out. Where do you add the pineapple? In, in secondary. So most, most of our, our ingredients, a lot of our fruits, we'll add them in, in second fermentation um, just because we want to, you know, keep as much of it in, into the beer as possible. Is it the same? It's the, you, well, I think you said it's the same base beer. So when you, mm-hmm. when you do a sour beer, it's, it's the same base beer. And then what do you just pull some off for pineapple ice or pull some off for, for any other project? Usually on occasion, unless it's like a special something for the tap room, mm-hmm. you know, we've got a, a special collab or something. Um, most everything we brew, even though we're brewing the similar base, we're brewing it for that beer. So this would have been another 30 barrel batch of, of Berliner Weiss just for, for pineapple ice. Oh, okay. okay. And then it's just a matter of um, like our gozas will add, uh, sea salt too. We don't mess around with like we do a traditional goza that's got coriander, but for a lot of our fruited stuff, since we're adding fruit anyways, we don't usually add coriander to that. This beer is crazy, man. I've had a, a, a few pineapple beers lately. Actually, Kansas Territory were on last week or the week before, and they do their um, like pineapple, um, you know, standard American lager. Um, and it's it's a totally different pineapple flavor, like. like theirs is like juice and it works and yours is like eating the fruit and it works. It's very interesting how you guys are both using the same fruit, but in just different ways and in different base beers to sort of adapt the flavors. Um, This, it is like eating a a fucking pineapple ring. man. That sounds amazing. It really does. I want to like marinate pork in this. I want to, I mean, this seems like a good cooking beer. Oh Yeah. Oh yeah, something I I don't actually know, but I feel like there's been a few. If I'm going to cook, a lot of times I'll use one of our sours, um, especially kind of braise or on the grill or something. Just yeah, like, want to say that acidity kind of helps break things down. Yeah, I want to say that too, and I I can either I don't yeah, and I'm I'm the type of dumbass who like I'll think of something and I'll be like, did I read that or am I actually really writing these sentences in my brain and going, well, that's why I remembered it because I just came up with it. I just thought of this thing, but I, I want to say like in marinades, you can, you put a little acidity to help the meat fibers sort of like relax a little bit. Again, I could have just made that up. That's true. You're breaking it down. That's a thing. Yeah. See, there you go, man. I heard if you uh, take flies and you lift, lift, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, this is uh, this is really good, man. And you said this is the first the first time you've made it. How how long has this beer been on the market? Uh, July, I think that was our July release. Oh, this are you kidding me, dude? This beer in in uh, in the the dead of summer, no brainer. Especially at what four three, my god, drinking it all day long. I imagine people love it. Yeah, it was it was pretty popular. I mean, it's it's gone. Um, 
and, and we do like every once in a while we'll we'll bring out a, a bigger wow. beer, but we mostly do do lighter stuff. I tell a lot of people that alcohol gets in the way of beer drinking sometimes. It it really does, man. It really. And does. the older you get, more so. <laughs> I personally love a. Um, a beer on the lighter alcohol side because I really just enjoy drinking. I enjoy the flavors of beer. I enjoy the, the sort of, uh, uh, what's the word? Like the, the pomp of, of, you know, going to the store and picking out a beer and then coming home and making sure it's cold enough. And then you open it and you put, you know what I mean? That whole, like the whole dance that you do when you're actually like drinking. I, 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 I like a lot of that sometimes more than being drunk. It's just, I tell, I tell a lot of people that I wish sometimes I could get my, my initial palate back. Like just the first time you try new styles, you know, be it a brown ale or even a, a black IPA or something, just having that experience back again. Yeah. It, you know what? It's, yeah, it's like, it's like smoking pot for the first like 10 times you ever do it. We're like, if I smoke weed now, there's no way I'm, I'm acting the way I did when I was like 23, which is laughing at watching the cable guy for the 10th time, laughing my fucking ass off and eating Taco Bell till three in the morning and just being hysterically thinking everything is the most hysterical thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Now it's just like, I don't know. I'm sort of itchy everywhere and I'm uncomfortable and I think <laughs> I might die. I'm going to go to bed. That's everything now. Everything makes us sleepy now. <laughs> it really does, man. You're like, dude, I've really been your boy's been thinking a lot today. I got to go to bed early. This is um, <laughs> this has just been a crazy day for me. Does Crane do any hard seltzers? We have not hit the seltzer. Does Crane um, do any hard seltzers? Point, yeah, my partner at this point made a comment that it's kind of like buying stocks high now for us to just get into it at this point, kind of late in the game. Um, we've we've put a couple on in the tap room to kind of test just some other breweries' seltzers, and they're kind of hit or miss. Like, I don't, I don't know. I feel like uh, I think we might be getting hopefully towards the end of that, that trend. <laughs> Yeah, I want to say they're never going to go away like the Brute IPA sort of did. Um, I mean, I, they do have a place for somebody who, you know, who can't have gluten yeah. and something lighter. But so I, they definitely have a place. But what about non-alcoholic beers? That's sort of like the new trend. It's like the new the new lager, I think, where like more craft brewers are experimenting with non-alcoholic beers. Have You guys seen any of that? We have a great uh, brewery called Wellbeing Brewing in Missouri. Okay. That's kind of the, the height in our area as far as really good non-alcoholic brews. And just the, the work they do, too, to, to make it all about kind of the lifestyle. You know, finding a time to, to take a break. And especially being in this industry, you got to kind of be um, understanding of that. So I really appreciate everything that they do as a company. And so I, I definitely promote them. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I imagine that brewing non-alcoholic beer to, that tastes like beer is very hard. It's it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I'd rather have that than a soda. You know what I mean? Like, I, <laughs> I if I'm going to have the calories, I'd rather have that. Yeah. Yeah. Same, man. For sure. Like, I'm 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 pounding a lot of these uh these hoppy refresher from Lagunitas, just like the oh, yeah. hop water. Oh my god, I love you. You guys have these out there? Um. Yeah, they're available. Oh, they're around. I, um, I can't get enough. We've We've talked about if we could, it's just a matter of, uh, I think we're, we're in the process of upgrading our draft system and I yeah. think we're going to dedicate a line to start doing, even if it's just us drinking it to do some, you know, get a play with some different hops and do some sparkling hop water. You got to do it, man. I mean, it's just, it's like you were saying earlier about checking in with everybody, make sure everyone's okay. It's sort of like if you have this 
something like that on that can take the place of a beer, but it's not really a beer and, you know, low calorie because we're all getting older. Um, I think that's a great thing to do. I personally appreciate it. Um, <laughs> all right. Another, another Weiss beer, uh, Tiki Weiss. Guess why I picked this one, Ken? Look at that. Couldn't even imagine. Oh, man. Um, it's a sour ale brewed with, God, I can't even read anymore. Cinnamon, orange, grapefruit, and lime. Tell me a little about Tiki Vice, please. Yeah, so we do a big annual event. You know, last year was a little bit more subdued. This this summer, we kind of got to go all out again. Um, we do an annual Tiki nice. Night at the brewery. Oh, and so I love it. This year, we did um, seven Tiki beers and then two cocktails, and we collabed with uh, another local um, cocktail business um, called um, Condor's Cove. And... No, I lost you. It's like the universe doesn't uh, want to give that to you. It doesn't want to give you the tea. Everything I know, man. Everything interesting. I'm like, yeah. And then, oh shit, I gotta wait. <laughs> I gotta wait and see what he was saying. There you we there? go. Are you back, Chris? Yep. Yep. All right. What, yep. what was lesson heard? Um, Condor's Cove, I think, is what it was. Okay, so that was pretty much it. So we we had that. We had our our uh, local barbecue guy did um, some cool um, kind of wine style food. Nice, and dude. just a, a big party, and um, we've got a musician in town called Eames that's a ukulele loop artist. And <laughs> Wait, dude. It's incredible. If you if you get a chance to look him up, it's E-E-M-S, but, I mean, he can play any any kind of music, pop music, but he just, it's just him and his ukulele, and he loops it, and it's it's awesome. Well, I will say there's a stock with that same call sign, and they're doing pretty good. They're up uh, 0.018% today. Um, I'm going to look that up, man, because I, I love tiki stuff, man. Um, and uh, that's what sort of, sort of drew me to this. Like, I have a little tiki room in my house. And uh, um, I know I, I, I like the culture and I like sort of seeing it, you know, cross over into different ways, um, you know, like the beer industry. And, and um, so I, I, I wanted to grab this beer. But hearing you guys have a tiki night, that's pretty fun, man. Yeah. And, and working with um, Condor's Cove specifically this year, they are just. Um, they have a lot of knowledge. They're super respectful. They know how to do it the right way. Um, and we've done some work with them and um, like some local AA um, uh, PI groups that we've kind of donated back to in the last year. And it just it kind of makes it more well-rounded. If, any, if yeah. there's anything that we can kind to, to do with, we're doing an event like that anyways, it, it really helps. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense, man. All right. So, uh, Cinnamon, orange, grapefruit, and lime. Break this beer down for me too, because it's it's very. Um, I, I, what I'm noticing about your flavors, especially with these sour beers, is that they're they blend well and they sort of like come and go a little bit, and it, it almost tastes like everything sort of blends together, and sometimes tastes like something else entirely, and then and then it pulls back, and then you can go, oh yeah, I get the cinnamon. It sort of makes you work for it, which I appreciate because it it, it makes your beers sort of you know stand out. I think. So this is the first year um, that normally with citrus, we just use the zest. Just we're, we're looking for that fresh zested, all those oils. We're not looking to add a lot more sugar mm-hmm. to the beer. Um, you know, we're, we've got something that's already fermented out. And we have a target. This is the first year that we went all ham and we not only uh, hand zested all the fruit, but then we juiced everything and added it to the beer as well. Um, I thought you didn't like work, Chris. What are you doing? We are silly. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> but um, and the cinnamon, the cinnamon just kind of adds that extra element, makes you know, makes it a little bit more like a tiki cocktail. Yeah. Um, I'm not a huge spiced beer person, um, but something about the ones that we've done, like the apple spice, and this one with spices and the the sourness, I think because it's so light and it's effervescent, it kind of keeps it clean. So like every sip you have, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't ever get cloying. So that's kind of nice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and with that, with that cinnamon and the, uh, cause like you said that, that that is very, you know, tropical drink, um, adjacent. I've tried to make a couple beers, you know, like that and work with some other people and you do have to figure out where to pull from, you know, from, from the, the tiki culture, from the, the drink culture. Cause not every tiki drink has cinnamon in it, but it is sort of reminiscent, especially when you mix some other fruits in it. And so you have the orange and grapefruit and lime. And the grapefruit and the lime to me sort of calls to uh, like the falernum syrup that's in a mm-hmm. lot of tiki drinks, especially specifically the non-alcoholic because I think you can get you can get both. Uh, but there's one from like Fee Brothers is what it's called, um, and it t- to me it tastes like slice or Sprite or something like that, where it has these lemon lime sort of components in it, and it's like once I tasted that, I go, this is what's missing in my cocktails. Was like a few years ago. Uh, this is what's missing. It's like that extra ingredient in tiki drinks. And so those two things combined, those, those, uh, the citrus with that cinnamon and you have that sour base beer, it is very much um, like a light cocktail. Like I just want to float some rum on it right now. We have, I mean, we'll do some beer cocktails on occasion at the tap room. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've had a lot of local bartenders that like having fun with our, especially our sour beers, just cause you know, yeah. Rum, tequila, yeah. Um, like a, a mezcal the, would be would be really good in this too. I think mezcal is uh we used to just for fun we we do an apricot vice that that's really good with mezcal. See, look at that, man. Yeah, that's good, man. I like it. I like it. Is there a big tiki scene in Kansas City or in Rayton Raytown? It's it's pretty big. Um, really, we lost a uh, a big one called Tiki Cat that we lost in the last couple of years that they went under, unfortunately. Um, but we're seeing a lot more of them either have a, a set tiki bar or there's more places that have like a special tiki night during the week or something. Um, but Condor's Cove is, is a great business. Um, what Diana's doing there is, is really awesome. And she's kind of floating between different bars and giving them a, a reason to do a special event. I mean, it's always sad. You and I can go out to KC and we can have a tiki night. Yeah, you it's can. Like a bonding event. Yeah, you can. <laughs> you and me. Yep, you you can definitely do that, man. Um, well, I'm going to open one more. I'm going to take a break, and then we're going to come back, and then uh, you know wrap it up with a, with two more beers, which is a little more than I usually do. But you have so many kind of you know sub five ABV beers. Um, I'm okay with it. Uh, so the the next one here is uh, let me see if I can find it. Is nowhere but everywhere, which sounds like a rare barrel uh, beer name. It does. <laughs> is we that a little a lemur? Little it's a um, not a bush baby. God, what is that? Um, sugar glider. It's not. A, I had sugar gliders when I was younger. It's not a sugar glider. Mm. Um, I can't believe I'm I'm blanking. An but ocelot. They eat, they eat. It's not an ocelot. They eat the um, uh, cascara berries, which is why it's on the label there. Okay. Uh, I'm looking up right now, dude. Oh, the um, right. That's the, the um, they make the, the special coffee, the, the poop coffee out of this, right? No, it's not that one either. Oh, my goodness. I feel 
silly. I'm going to blame it on Monday and the fact that we released this beer a couple months ago. <laughs> they both of those man are super. That's why we do the show on a Monday. And so anything, anything that happens, um, see now I don't care. Now I'm now I'm, I'm sitting here and we're and I, I'm googling this. I I'll, imagine I'll Kim is it, doing. I'll the get same. it to you later. I'll get it to you later. Okay, that's um, fine. But this was a, a fun collab. This is the second collab that we've done with Oleo Coffee in KC. And cascara is getting to be an interesting ingredient. It used to be always like a byproduct of coffee because it's yeah. the coffee cherry. As far as like a fruitiness goes, it's much more tannic. It's got a lot more like um, leather and tobacco kind of flavors and more like, like cherry skins than like sweet cherries. Yeah, tobacco and leather <clears throat> for sure. Um, and a, a lot of fun for kind of to play with that, that beer base. But like spice too, like a, like a, like a nutmeg. Mm-hmm. Or like um, clove? No. Yeah, like a nut, like a like a fresh nutmeg. But you know what? I'm going to even go deeper. It's not even shaved nutmeg. It's like the nutmeg, you know, the nut or whatever. I imagine it's a nut because it's in the fucking name. But it's like smelling the outside of that. Yeah, kind of a woody stuff. Yeah, yes. Yeah. 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 But still, that is- spiciness, almost almost peppery part that the nutmeg gives like it's it's that specifically with some leather yeah that's wild man this was definitely one for us just to play with like this is one that definitely we didn't know how well it would sell but luckily people dug it coming coming from the other ones this is it's very very different it almost doesn't taste um yeah that uh like check this now it's a slow loris is the animal. Slow loris. Never heard of that before in my life. A, a slow very, shimki. It's another very cute, very like tactile hand, big eyed jungle animal. Nice. Just um, like me. <laughs> <laughs> but right. uh, yeah, that's uh, thanks to our head brewer, Brian, coming in with the save via oh, text on that. Good job, Brian. Nice work, man. He's like, I know this. What the <laughs> fuck are these people doing? Uh, yeah, this is, dude, this is a trippy ass beer, man. Yeah, that aroma is crazy. And then, so what's the base beer on it? Um, that was a kind of a blended sour ale. We didn't want to go as tart as our others. Um, so I think some of our okay. Saison blended in. Okay, because it's not as, okay. I, that's, I guess, where I was going because, you know, coming from the sour beers, I was getting a little bit of sour residual, but uh, it wasn't, it wasn't, so I wanted to make sure that I'm not, you know, cross pollinating here and thinking that it, there is some sourness, <laughs> some sourness in there. Yeah. It's almost like, um, even like a bitter chocolate. There's like a, like a cacao sort of bitterness to, it. I mean, it has like a, a firm, you know, a, a decent amount of bitterness to it. That's weird. Something just fell. Um, what a weird ass beer, dude. And you said this is the first time you've worked with this. How do you add this fruit? So this is this we've done a like we've done a cascara vice before. So we've done our straight vice with cascara, but we wanted to do something a little less sour, you know, a little bit deeper so that it shines a little bit better. But it comes to us um, dried. I've always I mm. think it would be fun if you could get some fresh, just because part of a lot of coffee processing is the fermentation and like essentially the rotting of this fruit off the coffee bean. So I feel like if you could get some fresh and kind of there's got to be some good bugs there. To play with um, i thought this too honestly that and uh fermenting um cacao pods yeah like those would be tight to get whole too 
so in in our sense, when we get it, it's usually more it's dried, kind of like tea. And I think that's what a lot of like coffee okay. shops are kind of using them as is they're doing like a cascara tea from it. That's so fucking weird to me, man. Yeah, it's like um like a overripe uh, tangerine or like a mandarin. So there's like some orange concept here too. That's a weird beer. I like it. I like it, but this is definitely like a heavy hitter. Like this will make you think. <laughs> it's, it's it's fun. We did uh, the first time we we worked with it. We actually called it Coffee Vice because the coffee shop we worked with it was uh, Blip Roasters was the first one we did, and he was wanting to get kind of the the point across of like this is another part of coffee and this is something coffee could be, but it was just too confusing. You know, it's the same plant, but it's not going to be roasty and nutty and chocolatey and it's just not from the bean yeah you you gotta it's almost like the reverse ipa problem you gotta back people off of it for a little bit that's a trip man i like it are you gonna do this beer again i don't know if we'll do that one specifically but i'm sure we'll play with it again in another way um yeah. we've got a, a sour that i think we're gonna we're kind of coming up with the recipe now that's gonna get barrel aged that's gonna use a little bit of cascara in it and some other kind of funky darker tannin fruits um yeah i mean i want to say like like a like a porter or a stout would be obvious or even like a pumpkin beer but i feel like that might be that might uh, the base beer might cover up the stuff that you're adding in the cascara right so i feel like it might be too too similar i think we're gonna do some like earl gray tea in with it Ooh, like a like a chai maybe or something too enjoy yeah kind of all those kind of like i don't know like deeper kind of flavors and spices yeah. i think they play well well especially with time in a barrel yeah that's fun that's a fun ass beer dude i like it i like what's it the a person lot. on that what's that what's the percent on that one <clears throat> i don't know man my eyes my eyes no worky so well anymore dude uh 5.2 which doesn't doesn't drink like it it drinks like it should be a little heavier like there should be a little more alcohol because it's like sort of it tastes like a bigger beer. There's a lot going on, right? But I think it's the 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 is it a spice? It's not a fruit edition. Would you call that a spice edition, Chris? I call it a fruit or a, or like a maybe a tisane again, kind of like a tea tea esque. A tea, okay, a tea the tea edition. All right, yeah, because it's like it's a it's a fruit, it's a cherry around the coffee, but it's dried something i don't know anyway that's semantics i guess let's take one last break we're going to come back i'm going to crack these two last beers open and then um, we're going to be out of here so hang on everybody we're here with crane brewing and we'll be right back Tuned into this session because life's too short to listen to crappy radio. All right, everybody, thanks for sticking around. We're gonna wrap things up here. I gotta get rid of this cough, dude. I'm so annoyed by it. It's been like winter allergies or some nonsense, but God, man, <clears throat> it's clearing my throat constantly to the point where you get a headache. Has that ever happened to anybody else? No. Nope. Really? Should they be concerned? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. No. I think it's a thing. 
Chris, when when uh, dogs came into you, uh, you know, as a vet, and they complained of a cough and a headache, what did you? <laughs> and the closest I always, thing I have to a doctor. I equated veterinarians to like pediatricians or really good car mechanics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I I saw some question like how do how do vets know when you know an animals are in pain and. Like from my experience, bringing my cats in or whatever, it's like they don't. You just guess mm-hmm. and you try we, stuff we, out. Yeah, we we rely a lot on the, you know, on the the clients and the the owners. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. And what I've learned is like, it's, especially when when Alice got sick a couple weeks ago, it's like it's the same thing with animals. Like if they're acting differently, that's a that's a big sign. <laughs> but mm-hmm. otherwise, you know, whatever. Um, okay, final cause is the yeah. is the next beer that I opened up here. Cool little label with the guy in a robe. Uh, cheers! Looks like he's cheersing God, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, shit, I lost the I lost the thing. How did I lose the stupid? There it is. God bless cucumber basil saison. What do you think? Do I haven't think? tried it yet. Tell me about it. Tell me a little bit about it while I sniff and enjoy this is the second beer we've done with cucumbers um and it's still i'm i'm always impressed um i've had some cucumber beers before that they kind of get like an oxidized character i've been i've been really um impressed with with the you know it takes some kind of quick work to get them processed and get them in the tank to to kind of keep them to, to have that still really bright kind of cool refreshing character and then the the basil kind of wraps it up but um the first one we did with cucumber was called hail melly and we did it um named after melly pullman the first uh woman brewmaster in the country and um it's where i learned that cucumbers and watermelons are actually related which made a lot of sense because that flavor wise they tied in together so really well and that made that just kind of kind of solidified that but uh yeah i'm definitely proud of final cause how do you get the um how did you pair the cucumber and the basil like what made you think of of putting basil in there i think it's kind of again kind of that cocktail background you know okay. if you were to add like a little bit of gin to that it would kind of wrap it all in oh yeah um, just kind of that herbal again kind of uh summery and and for the the beer style too it it's so dry um, and it's got a nice kind of um, light booziness that it, it just, for for what the ABV is, it's still just like really cr- cool and refreshing. Yeah, it's seven, almost 8%, 7.5, 7.7, 7, 7, I think is what it says. Yeah, so, um, and Final Cause is is kind of that whole, um, it's the last step in, in kind of the process of what you get. There's material, efficient cause, formal cause, and that's kind of where we get to, land on the final cause oh nice it's taken it's taken me a bit and i think it's the it's the palate transition from 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 the other beers to this beer like back to sort of like a you know quote unquote normal beer um but i mean the basil is definitely there the cucumbers there a lot that's like the first it's interesting it's like the first and last flavor i never like had a beer that has a, a, a bookended flavor like that especially something as light as cucumber you would think that that would just sort of either get like you're up front and then it's absorbed by everything else and it just sort of gets overpowered, but it sort of ends on that like uh, cucumber, like peel, sort of tannin, but but green and still light and refreshing flavor. That's very it's wild. Kind of pushing the 
the far edge of like fruitiness that it that it could be, you know, as, yeah. as compared to a lot of vegetableness. Yeah, because if you you know, I've I've had a, only a handful of cucumber beers, and sometimes they're just it's too much. Like you can't have too much cucumber, but that but this isn't it. I think I think you've I think you've found that limit, that edge, and I and I wonder if that's why it the cucumber flavor is sort of the constant through that. It's the constant a seven and a half percent seven seven saison with basil, and you taste cucumber all the way through. That's wild to me. I think it works. It works really well. I think you picked a good style for it too. Nice. Um, it's inter- We've had people reach out. You know, pickle beers are a thing. And I've heard this, had- and I'm, I'm I'm sort of trying to reject it, and maybe it won't happen. But I guess it's going to happen. I love I love pickles. So I mean, but. In a beer, like if we were to do it, I've, I've told people, I'm like, if we're going to do it, then yeah, we, we would go back to fresh cucumbers, fresh dill, you know, kind of maybe some pickling spices, but I don't want to just pour pickle juice into a beer. So are you, are you like a, a sweet pickle guy or like a sandwich pickle guy or like a, like a two week ferment pickle guy? Like, what are you? All of it. No, I, okay. I think if, if it, right. I think if it's, sweet, it's got to have some heat, um, yeah. We've got a great company in Kansas City called Casey Canning Co. And they'll pickle everything. Um, <laughs> That's their tagline. I really hope. Yeah. And they've, they've used our, our beers and some of their pickles, which is kind of fun. Again, oh, with the cool. lactic acid of our sour beers, I think they lend themselves to, to home pickling. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I think, I think you know, a quick pickle, fridge pickle is fine. But I also think some really great fermentation is, is good. Um, uh, but if, it, if yeah. it's sweet, it's got to be spicy, too. Like, I don't know. Interesting. Okay. Like the little tiny little sweet pickles. I, I kind of like those guys, almost like the relish pickles. But I mean, yeah, I think I agree with you, man. I like everything. I, I will say I don't like a quick pickle cucumber. Like give me a quick pickle like uh, like mushroom or some onions or something like that or carrots or whatever. But the, the, I've had like these like these fatty cucumbers that are just quick pickled um, from Katz's Deli, actually, uh, mail order. And uh, I was like, I'm just, I don't know, man. I'm eating a cucumber that's kind of salty, and I just don't really, it's not my thing. And that's my treatise yeah. on cucumbers. If you make it to the brewery, you know, Kansas City. We haven't even talked about barbecue yet. Oh, um, fuck. Oh. <laughs> Bro, I know. No, you're good. We're good. But we do actually, we um, share space it. with Harp Barbecue in our, at the brewery, and oh. he just got voted number one barbecue in Kansas City for the second time. Um and he does some cool pickling with our beers as well. How do you not just have the highest cholesterol in the in the tri-state area? I I don't eat it as much as you'd think, but when I do, for being raised in Kansas City, yeah. I still get way too excited about barbecue. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, let's do it. You're not you're not over <laughs> it. It's not like um, I don't know what the equivalent would be out here, but uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying. I, I don't know. We have such a like a weird food thing. We don't have, and we have good barbecue out here, but it's not as prevalent as as I would like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's too bad. <laughs> All right, the last beer that I chose out of the the variety pack is the Stout Thought and Memory, which is a coffee seven. stout, seven and a half percent alcohol by volume. So this is with the same coffee um, roaster that we did nowhere but um, but everywhere with. So kind of, and this was a lot of fun. We've done a few coffee collabs. We've got another one coming out pretty soon. But this was probably um, the most time 
spent really kind of zeroing in on the coffee and, and really getting the roaster involved. Um, you know, not just telling him what, how much coffee and what kind of varietal we wanted. Like we tried several different coffees, several different roast profiles, several different blends um, to kind of get where it's at. And it's, I, I'm curious on your thoughts. To me, it's one of the best coffee character beers I've ever had um, in sharing it with consumers. Um, it's not like overly rich. It's not overly creamy. It's a lot drier. And so it, it kind of, it was kind of nice to kind of do something different. When you said that you were, you were trying different roast profiles, were you, were you making beers with them or were you doing like a cupping and like, Oh, this is probably too much because I imagine you've been, you know, you've been brewing for a while. You sort of know how a flavor is going to translate into a beer for the most part, 60% of the way. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it was kind of um, fun working with him because I think a lot of, especially on the coffee side, kind of like the latest new age coffee is a lot of more light roasted, which can or cannot, depending on the beer style, doesn't always translate as well. It's kind of, un, it's unfortunate that sometimes with beer, you almost have to go on the, the roastier side to get it to come through in the beer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not always necessarily what you would want to do with those beans if you were drinking them just as coffee. That's true. That's true. I mean, the aroma is great. It smells like, like coffee grounds, which have a different, which have a different, you know, aromatic than like actual, you know, like with the coffee's roasted. And sometimes I like the coffee. Like when I'm making coffee here, I'm like, I kind of just want to smell the co- fucking coffee grounds. <laughs> I don't even want to brew the coffee. I just want to just smell the grounds because it's almost like a more vibrant aroma, even uh, you know, than than the uh, the actual liquid at the end so this coffee um was harvested from monte queira de minas mountain so it's it's brazilian coffee um what's fun is that the roaster oh no i'm gonna hell of a time editing the show i can hear you we got you back okay Okay. now you're back yeah uh, just that whole sentence where you said it's it's brazilian and then the roaster and then it cut out it's just it's just having like literally the fact that the roaster is texting with the farmer is kind of cool. That is cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the so the roaster knows the farmers. Yep. And and I, I feel like that's the best result for kind of anything. You know, what I mean, I do, too, man. Like I used to buy, you know, coffee in bulk from from, you know, warehouses and stuff. And it's it's. It's cool. I mean, the people know what they're doing, uh, you know, uh, but it, it is, a, I think you get a different vibe when you, when you're connected with the farm and you can buy direct and you, you know, what's going on there. And, and, um, you know, I agree with you. Yeah, this is, uh, hold on. This is going to be very uninteresting to listen to, but I'm going to, I'm going to taste it now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, it's like drinking a strong cup of coffee with like a little bit of dark chocolate and you get some sort of almost like a, like a lactose sweetness, you know, which I, I, I imagine there's not lactose sugar, but you can tell me that uh, later, but it's, it's this, yeah, it's, it's, it's probably, probably the most intense coffee beer I've had in a good way, you know, like that coffee, that's a fucking strong cup of coffee. <laughs> if you give me that coffee, that's very, very intense, but it, you work it really well with that sort of bitter chocolate stout base. And I think those things kind of flow together because chocolate 
and coffee obviously match really well. Coffee does have some of these chocolatey notes, these bitter, you know, cacao sort of notes. Uh, stouts have that too, and so it all goes together, and it's sort of layered. Like, and it, it it finishes. It's almost like it starts bitter and finishes at the end. And I don't mean bitter as like a bitterness or a harshness or a tannin, but just the you know the nature of like coffee and and, and chocolate or whatever. Even though there's no chocolate in here, um, and the 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 cleanup at the end, I think, is what's really nice about it because it finishes on a sweet, almost like there's cream and sugar in my coffee. I get that. This year, this year is going to be fun. We are we are going a little bit more traditional. We're doing a big like ten to twelve percent coffee stout with oleo, but we actually have a coffee shop at our brewery now and a roaster, um, Rock Island Coffee, and so we're doing like a three way collab um, where oleo will get to pick a, a varietal and a roast, and then so will Rock Island, and we'll get to blend those together, um, and then we're going to break that down. And I think with with Heart Barbecue, we're going to do a smoked. Um, kind of aspect to it and then I think we're going to do another variant We've in Casey we've got um, Mean Mule which is an agave spirits distillery so they can't call it tequila but it's essentially tequila mm-hmm. um, do some in a barrel with that um, and then I'm trying to think and then I think we're going to do a little bit um, more barrel aging kind of play with it as well yeah I mean it sounds like you have all the all the parts to make some pretty cool collabs it's, I think, I think just what, you know, collabing with other breweries, collabing with other local businesses and makers and people who are interested, it just makes it that much more fun. You know, yeah. we're, we're lucky that we've got a, a vanilla source in, in KC that they import directly from Madagascar. So it's like we could go and buy vanilla or we could do a collab with them who all they do is source vanilla. They know everything about vanilla. Um, and it just, it just makes it that much more fun. Yeah, that's cool. I like it. I mean, you know, you, like you said, you like to learn, you got to keep learning and branching out and talking to other, you know, leaders in industry, or at least people who are doing a good job, <laughs> even in the area. Um, that's the best way to do it, man. And I think, uh, I think you're, you're, you're on the, I was going to say you're on the right track, but that's sort of like, uh, you know, <laughs> like you're just starting out over, you're clearly very successful at it. And, uh, and the, the beers tell the tale. I mean, this coffee stout is still sitting in my face. It's good. Yeah. I would, I would love to see like a milk stout version of this too. Cause that coffee is very powerful. Um, and I like a good strong cup of coffee and that's very like, um, I, I like it. It's good. Kim again, sorry, but I'm really not very sorry. Yeah, no, I, I know. Well, I have the other 49 beers. Um, I, I would say I will hold on to them, but I'm not going to probably, I'm not going to promise you that. Ever going to venture out of your house and come to uh, the East Bay a bit more like Oakland? No, I have no reason to go to Oakland whatsoever. As a matter of fact, your best friend lives here. No, my best friend. <laughs> I was going to make up something else, but I'm, I can't do it right now. Uh, Chris, thanks very much, man. I appreciate you taking the time and, and sending the beers and, and hanging out with us for a little bit. Heck yeah. This is a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah, man. Me too. You guys can learn more about Crane Brewing going to cranebrewing.com. And uh, they're all over social media, of course. They have a Facebook and a Twitter and uh, Untapped and, uh, you know, Instagram. That's the that's the other one. I'm like, God, what's going on? And if you're ever in Raytown, uh, go check them out. Kansas City, you know, just, uh, I'm sure it's a hop, skip, and a jump away. You can uh, you can ride your bike on the bike trail, stop in for some uh, great barbecue and some coffee and some some beers, and uh, you're going to be set. Not all you guys need is a, a hotel, you know, and then you'll be uh, yeah, a little. Oh Dude, yeah, uh, just a nap. Like rent it for like two hours. Look, you, you had a few beers. Why don't you go upstairs? 
you know, sleep it off a little bit, and then you can ride your bike that's, and get out of here. That's what grain bags are for. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, all right, we'll let you go, Chris. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Thank you to More Beer for bringing you this uh, in every session. You go to morebeer.com, learn about everything you can do to make great beer at home. Kim Shimke, thank you very much for uh, for joining me. I appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Of course it was. And I mean that honestly. Yeah, me too. It was because me. of Chris. It was your pleasure. Yeah. It was Chris, Chris's dog. Chris was showing off his dog, dog at the break. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. And until next time, we'll see you later. Just in the sky and winning the race, JP does great.